Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. There's 28 days in February. Welcome to the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack, y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the Fact Off. It's the Fact Off. Yeah, it's the Fact Off. That's right, it's the Fact Off, a weekly podcast where we each bring you a random and obscure fact, and you, the listener, can decide who the winner is. I'm your host, as always, Alex, and it's with me is Weekday Freak Pat. Hello, everyone. And Mikey Sands. I just noticed that you didn't welcome people to the Fact Off. You guys were waiting for it, and I switched it up on you. He said, that's right. I'm always learning. I'm like an AI computer. I just keep learning. Figuring Alex out. GPT. Yeah. <laughs> the first AI computer. Some say the first computer was the human brain. And that's oh. it for the fact off. <laughs> I just imagine Alex's brain is like a gigantic room full of the old computers like they used to send the NASA, the first NASA uh, spaceships up. The big wheels turning. Well, his yes. head is the size of those big monitors they used to have. <laughs> And it's really loud. <laughs> yeah, it if, yeah, if you uh, look into the, the uh, Hidden fig- Figures cast list, um, Alex's head is uh, <laughs> attributed to the room. They saved money on it. They rented <laughs> me out. Uh, well, <laughs> anyways, it's terrible. <laughs> what do we do here? <laughs> uh, so, like we said, you guys can vote on a winner. Mike, who won last week? I actually have no idea. Did not oh. look it up. He didn't look it up at all. Well, the fact calculator has been retired because we are modernized. Yeah. Uh, and I just looked it up, and it's me. <gasps> I'm Mike, him. Mike, Mike, I, Mike, Mike. Can I confess Mike. something? That you lie? I looked it up earlier today, and it was a three-way tie. Yeah. And then I cast my vote for Mike. I voted for Mike. Oh, man, we shot ourselves in the foot. We could have won. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought um, it was a great fact last week. And now it's in the annals of the Smithsonian. Oh, thank you. Yeah, they are. Uh, they have. They're having a ceremony later today. Uh, to yeah, they're going to TP there. all of DC, right? Yes. Uh, my fact this week actually piggybacks kind of off Mike's fact. It's about poop. It's about poop. Yep. My fact from last week. Yeah. Uh, or my victory fact because I get your, one of those. Your victory fact is how much you love me. Wait, Mike, at the end of last week's episode, you said to be continued. Is this what you were talking about? <laughs> no, this is no. I did not say that. Did I say that? Run no, I didn't. I can't. Play, play I can't. last week's episode right. right now so we can okay, listen I'll, to it. I'll play it. I'm playing it. Here's Mike. To be continued. See, you said so, it, Mike. All right. Well, yeah. I do a good so Mike my, impersonation. I, I'm, I'm giving my victory fact. Uh, my only you know, request is that you guys stand silent for this portion of I the am show. not standing up. <laughs> so, uh, my victory fact, this is actually going to be one of my facts at one point, but it's just not meaty enough. Um, you do like a medium. War- medium. <laughs> Me- medium meaty fact. Uh, during World War One, there was a horse that ran into No Man's Land. And if anybody's wondering what No Man's Land is, it's the, the land between the two trenches on each side. Where basically... World War One was just people shooting across trenches at each other. For trench warfare sounds like Tren- the worst thing ever. 
It's a boring, yeah, trench foot and all sorts of stuff. Were you going to say but, it was boring? Mm, it's kind of boring. <laughs> I, was say, I don't think it was yeah, I don't boring. Yeah, people found it boring. Can I sit down? Yes, yeah, so Pat can sit down, uh, but right. you can stay silent. Um, the French soldiers replaced the horse that was shot in no man's land with a paper mache horse and put a sniper inside of it. Oh, they copied off the Trojans. <laughs> yeah, and so the sniper was in the paper mache horse in no man's land, and it had a, a phone line that ran back to the trench, so the sniper could like kind of like talk back and to the trench and say, "Hey, this is where the enemy's at," and yada yada. Um, well, this ruse lasted for three whole days until wow, they figured it figured it out. I did not find <laughs> if the, the guy sur- <laughs> I did not find if the guy survived uh, the horse mache or if he made it now. out. Is this now, what the movie is this what the movie War Horse is about? Uh that movie would have been better if it was about this. I didn't mind that movie. It's not bad. I saw the play, it's awesome. Anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. But now it's time for Pat's fact, 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 spectacular. Pat's fact, 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 spectacular. Pat's fact, 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 spectacular. Featuring Mike times two. That's right. Welcome to Pat's Factacular featuring Mike times two, the segment that gets longer and longer each week. So uh, if this is your first time ever listening, uh, last year I got a wonderful calendar from my wife. It was one of those daily tear-off calendars with a daily fact, and I run through five of them. Unfortunately, last year came to an end around December 31st of last year, and I needed a new calendar. Luckily, one of my co-hosts cares about me, and he ordered me a History Channel fact calendar. (laughs) Which sucked. (laughs) Which was the most serious calendar I've ever seen in my life. Each day is like a full book report. (laughs) And if the listeners at home are wondering, Pat is still married. He just doesn't have a relationship with his wife where she wants to provide facts to him on a daily basis. Yeah, she's tired of this podcast. <laughs> Every week she votes against me. She doesn't listen to the episodes. She just votes against me. Um, so last week and the week before, we had some pretty serious history facts. It's kind of just like a in-memoriam calendar where they just tell me who died, what famous person died that day. And Mike took it upon himself to call an audible, and he sent me yet another Daily fact calendar. This one from Mental Floss. Amazing facts. And it's this, a great website too. Um, they used to be fantastic for facts. Yeah, what they happened? Used to be fantastic not as good. Facts. They're not as good as they used to be, but they're they're still good. Well, we're about to find out. So I'm going to read you five wonderful facts from the new calendar. Uh, here we go. Fact number one: Volkswagen was founded in Germany in 1937 under Adolf Hitler's Nazi government. I knew that. And this is the I knew that fact of the day. <laughs> yep. yep. Did you know this? In 1967, Mad Magazine printed an obviously phony $3 bill with mascot Alfred E. Newman's likeness on it. No one was fooled except for change machines, which were just being installed around the country. People could feed them the bill and get real coins in return. The problem led to Mad getting a visit from the U.S. Treasury Department. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. Take that, stupid machines. <laughs> yeah. I already like that fact but. Better than any of the facts from the old previous From calendar. the entire year? <laughs> <laughs> from the entire year. Even the moon fact? Hey, All right. people love the moon fact. <laughs> Mike gets so mad when I bring up the moon fact. All right, third fact. The Hollywood sign originally read Hollywoodland because it was built to publicize a luxury housing development constructed a century ago in 1923. The sign yeah, was in bad shape 
by the 1940s, but instead of demolishing it, the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce just tore down the last four letters and revamped the rest. Did I bring that to the fact off? Was that a fact? I, or did I read it and then realize there wasn't much to it? You dream about a lot of facts. <laughs> There's a yeah. lot of facts I look up and I was like... There's just not much to that fact. And no. It's hard to imagine that keeping a sign up is like that expensive of a task. It you is. Just paint, it, pa- paint it every once in a while. It's <laughs> a lot of letters. Yeah. All right, this one's kind of long, but it's worth it to read the whole thing. The doctor who performed Napoleon Bonaparte's autopsy supposedly sliced off his penis as a keepsake. According to the most popular story, Napoleon's dismembered member made its way from St. Helena to Corsica to Britain to New York, where it was displayed at a museum. In 1977, it was purchased by a New Jersey urologist who verified that the item was, in fact, a penis, but we still don't know for sure that it was Napoleon's penis. Why would you want it? <laughs> Why? Like, what? When I think Napoleon, I don't think of, like, I wonder what it would be like to see his penis like, without would, the rest of his body attached. I would do the torso with, like, the arm. And also, he's area. not a short guy like everybody portrays him so he's just a normal guy with probably a normal penis only one way to find out let's go find this guy in new jersey yeah what do you what do you do with it now you have it like yep that hey well how much autopsies he doing this look at him yep that's a penis also like it just it makes my skin crawl thinking about a severed penis so like why would well, i, I mean look at- <laughs> that that many years old now it's probably pretty shriveled at this point in time so maybe it's hard to tell what exactly it what is. What if they put them in like the, there was like, you see some dead bodies that are perfectly preserved in like glass cases. Like he was just like, really hard, rock hard when he died. <laughs> the, I assume that, <laughs> everybody's rock hard when they die. Uh, it's probably just floating in a jar of liquid. Ooh, like like, the, a pickled like the brains or the heads or whatever. Yeah. So he's got a pickled penis. Yeah. Yep. Let's move on. And our last fact of the week. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Our last fact of the week, rabbit poo tea was reportedly a popular hangover cure in the Wild West. Rabbit poo tea? Rabbit poo tea. At first I thought you were saying like a, like it was like a long, like a poutine. Yeah, that's what I thought, like rabbit poutine. Sounds yeah, delicious, so it'd probably be pretty good, but rabbit poo tea does not sound delicious. I wonder if the rabbits probably ate a certain plant. And then the poop dried, and then the flavor of that plant came out in the tea. Because the, the rabbits probably processed that plant down enough where uh, it could be semi-edible. I don't know. Just you were thinking theory. about this way too much that it's making it sound like you're considering drinking rabbit poo tea. Yeah, I guess boiling the water would probably kill off any uh, bacteria. Then you're just left with the wonderful flavor of rabbit poo. I hope everyone at home can hear me shake my head left and right. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Mike is all in it. And finally, so that was our five facts of the week. I am going to add one fact from the history calendar. Our in memoriam of this week. On uh, January 30th, 1948, Mahatma Gandhi was assassinated in New Delhi. I always think he's earlier and later than when he lived. I don't know how how that's possible i always think he's like should have been around earlier you know his name was not mahatma yeah it was bill 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 gandhi it was mahandas and mahatma uh stood for the great soul oh 
All right, there are your facts for the week, the fast facts. Uh, Mike, since you won, you get to give your victory fact. Well, uh, Alex, you're way behind. <laughs> I'm sorry, you get to pick the order, order, order. Uh, I'm tired. He is, uh, yeah, you said you wanted to start earlier, but then you showed up way later than you normally do. Um, <laughs> My kid wanted to go to bed. <laughs> Put him on the fact off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, talk about guest Batman. guest factor. Um, all right, uh, who's more ready to rock it out, uh, Alex or Pat? Because I, you know, I don't like to go first. Pat's yawning, so me. <laughs> I did yawn all right, Pat, raise Pat's hand raising his hand very, very hard. So uh, you yeah. go first, Pat. I'm raising it so hard. <laughs> all right, my fact today is about Franz Reichelt. Oh, okay, we already know about this. Move on. <laughs> So Franz was born in what is now known as the Czech Republic in 1878. Okay. And he moved to Paris in 1898, 20 years oh. old. That's right around when Mike moved there. Yep. 11 years later, he became a French citizen in 1909. Sucks for him. Now, Franz had a passion. Around this time, the turn of the century, uh, you know, airplanes were happening. And then what happens sometimes with airplanes? A Mal High Club. People fall out of airplanes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they need parachutes. It's one or the other. Get your head out of the gutter, Mike. <laughs> Mike's been drinking rabbit poo tea. It also acts as an aphrodisiac. Yeah. Uh, so he hoped, he wanted to design a parachute suit, which was like a suit that an aviator could wear, and it wouldn't be too bulky. And But then when he opens his arms, he could, you know, parachute down. Kind of what I'm assuming, like a um, squirrel suit, like the yeah, that the we ones. Have now. Yeah, there's guys who do that now quite often. I don't think you could pay me enough money to do that. No, no it's, I've heard too much. <laughs> yeah. No, I just no desire to jump off a mountain and try to fly down. Wait, so Pat, are you saying that he had this squirrel suit without an actual parachute? Also, no, he was more of a traditional parachute guy. Parachuter. So, this is the story of his parachute suit. Not That's not easy to say. So, uh, let's see. It was going to have like a few extra rods and like a silk canopy and some rubber. There were already <laughs> parachutes uh, called fixed parachutes, fixed canopy parachutes. And they were just like already unfolded. Like it was like, you know, you would jump out. But like it, it wasn't like, you know, as we know parachutes where you pull the thing. Yeah, they, they would just have it like... Uh, like you're carrying like a big blanket and you just yeah, pick it up. Yeah, like that. And um, a lot of the older parachutes were like the round ones you see like in World War II and stuff. Like the, an newer one, the newer ones are those rectangular yeah, you uh, parachutes like that you can steer. Like the old ones you couldn't steer. Well, unfortunately, there weren't any parachutes that were good for jumping from planes at the time. And Franz wanted to create a parachute after hearing about the fatal accidents from early aviators trying to create parachutes. So he so heard this- about all these people... This answers the age-old question, which came first, the airplane or the parachute? (laughs) The airplane came first. (laughs) Are you sure, Mike? (laughs) All right. He made early prototypes with silk wings, and he would drop dummies out of his window of his apartment, and they would land safely on the ground. The parachute (laughs) used 65 square feet of material and weighed around 150 pounds. Dang, that's as much as I weigh. (laughs) Yes. He took, in, he took it to the leading aeronautic organization, La Ligue Ariane. He wanted them to test it, but they said this canopy was too weak, and they tried to convince him to stop wasting his time on this development. 
They were not sold. <laughs> stop what well, stop what you're kind of beast too weak. Yes, stop Sorry. wasting your time. Please leave me alone. <laughs> your canopy is terrible. If I had a nickel for every time somebody told me my canopy was too weak. Yep, you'd have 25 cents. All right, in 1911, Colonel LaLance offered a 10,000 francs prize to anyone that could create a safe aviator parachute. The specifications called for a weight limit of 55 pounds, so already his thing was over almost 100 pounds too heavy. Yeah, too, yeah it's very heavy. So he redesigned his parachute, reducing the weight, but increasing the surface area to 130 feet. That's good. His tests, his tests now were a little less successful. Um, his dummies were sh- were hitting the ground and shattering to pieces. Yeah, they were hitting the ground. Hold on, I'm trying to. I don't know why he made them out of glass. All right. Mm. In uh, 1911, he jumped from a 30 foot. He jumped himself from 33 feet, and he failed. But he was saved by a pile of straw. <laughs> at least um, he had the straw. Well, the, the, but, straw the straw was walking by at the time. <laughs> yeah, but traditionally parachutes don't. To need some time to slow you down, like thirty-three. Like most parachutes, probably won't do much at thirty-three feet high. Mike, you're starting to see where he was headed. Okay. He also, he would break his leg on a jump of twenty-six feet. Wait, is, is it, this isn't the same guy that jumped off yep. the? If it is, if it is, stop talking. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just let me finish my back. Okay. <laughs> this is uh, Mike's gonna have to start. We have to like put like a little buzzer on Mike to like. The game of taboo. (laughs) He knows too many facts. All right. So, he attributed his failures to falling from such a short height. Oh, there you go. So then he came up with a new idea, jumping off the Eiffel Tower. Oh, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, something tells me you've heard this one before. So, let me me get through it before you. (laughs) I'm not going to, no spoilers. Uh, he would apply. He would apply for permission. It would take him over a year to get permission for the uh, to do it. And apparently, that was like a big thing. The Eiffel, like the government, would do is that they would allow people to do experiments because I, I'm assuming there weren't a lot of large uh, structures for scientists yeah. to like do things. So he was able to jump off the Eiffel Tower. But that was we'll let you jump off the Eiffel Tower one time if you <laughs> promise to leave us alone. Well, he didn't actually get permission to jump off the Eiffel Tower. They gave him permission to test it on a dummy off the Eiffel Tower. Oh, so... <laughs> yeah. So on Sunday, February 4th at 7 a.m., he arrived at the Eiffel Tower wearing his parachute suit. Spoiler, he's the dummy. <laughs> yes. He was granted permission. Uh, I already read that. So all his friends didn't realize he was going to wear the suit and do it himself. He, they were like, uh, yeah, you might not want to do this. The cops didn't want him to do this. Um, the old cops always trying to hold the man down. They he's quoted as saying, "I want to try the experiment myself and without trickery, as I intend to prove the worth of my invention." Apparently, so all you would do is when you fall, you would extend your arms like a cross, and the parachute would open up. Um, and at the time, it was the final surface area was 320 square feet, so his just kept getting bigger and bigger. His parachute, yeah, um, and the canopy height was 16 feet. At 8.22 a.m., in front of a crowd of about 30 journalists and spectators, Franz jumped. He was more than 187 feet above the ground. His parachute only half opened and immediately folded around him, and he fell for a few seconds before hitting the frozen ground below. Did he survive? Uh, Though it would appear that the impact killed Franz, 
An autopsy later determined that he had died of a heart attack before hitting the ground. Oh, that's good, right? Yeah, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and so this is my fact that I'm calling a fall from grace. Oh, that's like a nice one. Guess where I got yeah. that fact? From the history calendar. Not the history calendar, from the mental philosophy. Oh, nice. That's why it was kind of whimsical. That was a lot of writing on one square Well, no, paper. I had to... They only gave me like a little research. bit, and I had to add, add yeah. some... He made computers. up the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made up a lot of that. He's like, well, there's not enough meat to this one. Let's just add a whole bunch of uh, stuff to it. I think that was a good amount of time for a fact. It doesn't need yeah. to be any longer than that. That was great. Yeah, we have to stop Mac, uh, Mac, Mike from guessing our fact. Last week, I listened back to the episode, and you guessed my fact and Alex's fact. <laughs> Did I? Yeah, you, you said it like right before we were done saying our big facts. You were like, oh, did this happen? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm, I'm going to go next just because I like, you know, like being sandwiched in between. I don't like going first, and I don't like going last. Um, you wait, if we were a human centipede or like a fact centipede, would you be in the middle? Yes. Uh, in the aspect of the human centipede, I'd be in the front. <laughs> Why'd you point so hard when you said that? Mike is giving a diagram with his hands of where it would be. In the very front. Um, so uh, have you guys seen those, those news stories about like them, uh, like a company bringing back the woolly mammoth? Yeah, my wife sent that to me. Why would yeah. you not do animals that are like more recently extinct? They're not as fun. Whimsy. Yeah. The same company is bringing back the... I think it's the same company is also trying to bring back the dodo bird. Again, why wouldn't you bring back something like more recently? <laughs> like the woolly mammoth. Yeah. Yeah, the woolly mammoth. No, yeah. The, uh, this company called Colossi, or Colossal, uh, believes that they can de-extinct... The Woolly Mammoth by 2027. Oh, I, I just thought that was a, a funny deadline it's, they have. Like, 2027, we're going to have this Woolly Mammoth ready to go uh, like in Russia. Live? What would they eat? They what say they, they like, could help effect? with the changing climate in, like, the Arctic. I don't know yeah, how. Yeah, it's getting hotter. Well, yeah. no, they said that it's going to help. Like, since they migrate around the uh, Arctic region, it, it helps with the natural... Uh, way yeah. of things i think it's the natural, supposed to balance n- the natural way of things for an animal that hasn't been around for <laughs> thousands yeah, of years nature got rid of them <laughs> yeah you, you know this company is just getting funding based off of like adding in that they're doing this for uh uh you know yeah. s- to stop global warming like they I mean, they, they, they just we, came up with that idea like tacked it on and said hey give us money uh it could help the the world but they really um, just want to do this well, they, fun. They're using like woolly mammoth and dodo because they're fun attention grabbers, but really they're doing this because they want to clone people. Yeah. We didn't learn nothing from the movie that's The Island. Kept... What? The Island with Ian McGregor. No, Nobody that's watched why that. They kept <laughs> Napoleon, Dynamite, Nap- Napoleon Dynamite, Napoleon Bonaparte's penis so that <laughs> they could later clone him. Yes. Um, but yeah, that, that got me thinking like uh, about stuff they've actually brought back or are trying to bring back that's more legitimate Sexy. than like <laughs> than the woolly mammoth and uh, uh bell bottom jeans are coming back yeah those are uh yeah well back took many years to develop the bell bottom jean jeans um we lost we lost it 
for a while. <laughs> we figured it yeah, out. Yeah, they were extinct. We figured it out how to manufacture them again. Um, no, everybody knows this song. Uh, it's past Christmas now, but everybody knows the song um, Chestnuts Roasting Over an Open Fire. Yeah, they yes. brought back fires. They were able to clone them. But have you ever like thought, like, why don't we roast chestnuts over the fire anymore? Like, it's just not a thing people do. We, we got better food, stronger food, faster food. Well, that's not the case. It's because the chestnuts <laughs> that they roasted. <laughs> You're telling me we did not get faster food. All right, we got faster or food. stronger food. <laughs> we got stronger food. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay, fine. I agree with that part. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But the chestnuts they roasted over the fire, you just can't even get them anymore because they were from an extinct, a now extinct, pretty much extinct, we'll get into that later, tree called the American chestnut. Oh, the American mm. chestnut. Yeah. that? Go ahead. What got rid of the American chestnut? Cancel so, culture? Yeah, cancel culture. Probably Chippendale. Always nice. No. Uh, back in the day, chestnut trees were across the eastern seaboard like so like you know uh the west side uh of the country um they have the redwood forests yeah um and the redwood forests are known to be like gigantic trees some of them are big enough to drive a car through yeah that's Um, my lifelong dream but along the eastern seaboard they had blue wood trees (laughs) they did not have blue wood trees they had the american chestnut tree and that one was rival, like rivaling the size of the redwood trees. They called them the, yeah, they called them the redwood of the east. I just, yeah. wait, that's they a have terrible been name. Be- what have we not been here before? Because <laughs> it's all been here. Wouldn't they have known of that first and then found the redwood and called that one the chestnut of the west? <laughs> well, heck. the west nut. Well, I guess the redwoods are just more like recognizable, and so yeah. Even though, yeah, you're right. The the American chestnuts were, were more common. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense. It just means that scrap people the love the redwoods. Yeah, scrap the fact. Get the time it's machine out. We're going back in time. Get rid what of it. What happened to this chestnut, you say? Yeah. So the demise started like in the early 1800s uh, with the ink disease. So um, this slowly killed off uh, like the... American chestnuts in the southern portion of the country. So, uh, at one point, there was billions of these American chestnut trees going from Alabama and Georgia all the way up to Michigan. And this was just like all of our forests were basically like tons of these trees. It was just all over the place. Um, and then the, through the 1800s, this uh, disease just slowly started killing off all the trees in the south. And then... This is when the larger destruction happened. Uh, so in 1904, uh, the Bronx Zoo discovered small orange and red dots started forming on the bark of the chestnut trees they had around the zoo. Um, and they started forming like cankers along the trunks. And the, and it basically, this blight would cut off any nutrients going up to the tree and just kill off the tree. Would it fall? Yeah, it would fall, die off, rot yeah, out, how, all that. Did they make it sound? Thing. Yeah, they they no. cried. Yeah, out. <laughs> no one was around to hear it. Yeah, nobody was around to hear it. Um, and the blight came from the Asian chestnut trees. Yeah. Uh, so 
the chestnut trees you see now, so if you find a chestnut in a forest, uh, it's most likely from an Asian chestnut tree because those kind of grew up in, in their place uh, because they were uh, blight resistant. So the blight came from those trees being imported into America and uh, killed off the American chestnut tree. Is this, why you're saying all, is this why Mike's always saying close the borders? <laughs> yeah, that's what that's that's my number one stance when I run for president. <laughs> close all the borders uh, to everybody. <laughs> protect our trees. Protect our trees. Yeah, I'm running on that stance. Um, and the blight slept, swept through so rapidly um, that. Uh, I think it was by 1950, around 4 billion American chestnut trees had been killed off by this fungal blight. And fungal blight, that's, if you've been watching The Last of Us, that's also a fungal blight. Um, Got you there. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, the Times uh, newspaper uh, wrote, all the chestnut trees in the United States are doomed for destruction. And they also wrote it was the most rapid destructive fungus known to this world. Um, so it was it was a pretty, um, I guess, sad topic when it was happening. I'm sure there was a, we lost tons of beautiful trees. Um, these were great trees, and the wood nowadays is pretty valuable. Uh, people like get the wood from old barns and resell it, and it's it has like a big market. Um, they can't like replant it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna get to. Uh, so the so above the roots, um, the trees would die off because the blight would kill them. But the roots were so vast underground that the trees themselves are still technically there underground, like the root system still exists. So oh, yeah. on occasion, the trees will sprout up from the root systems and start coming back. And there's still some like groves here and there that they come back, uh, but they don't grow very big because the blight will still come and kill them. So currently, like there's uh, scientists that are working through different methods to bring these back. Uh, some of them they've uh, tried to merge the uh, Chinese chestnut tree with the American chestnut tree to like make a more durable a super mega mega tree <laughs> super mega tree yeah um they've the also tried <laughs> they've also tried attacking the blight with like a virus that eliminates it um and then the final method they, they've been they trying tried shooting it <laughs> yeah they tried shooting it uh the final method they tried was it. genetically modifying the tree itself um yeah is this how they got those trees in Lord of the Rings? All the ants? Yeah, they start talking to. Uh, they were genetically modified uh, American chestnut what? trees. What I if Lord it. of the Rings actually takes place in the future? That'd be cool. I'm for it. Make it happen. But uh, actually, down the road from my house, there's the, uh, I think it's the Boone County Arboretum in Kentucky, and. Uh, they have like uh, they're trying to start bringing back the American chestnut tree there, and they have some they planted to try to bring bring them back, start the propagation. So d- us losing those trees cha- changed like the the forest, like it's unrecognizable. If you went back in time a hundred years, the forest would be unrecognizable to you. And also, like think of all the animals that had to like die off and lose their food sources. Uh, because the American chestnut trees 
um, were like dropping all this fruit on the ground like nuts. Yeah. Also, also, back, I don't know here. if I would recognize any forest. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like, the same thing. Unrecognizable to me. I'm pretty sure most forests are unrecognizable to me. <laughs> like I don't know what this tree is, but it's pretty big. Um, is it blue? Is that just something Alex said at the beginning? <laughs> yes. Stuck in my head. Uh, so my fact is called the redwood of the east. Um, you should call it. Ready? I thought about this. It's kind of a long title. Okay. The Chinese chestnut is a little sus. Colon. A fungus, mm. like Among Us, but a fungus, right? Mm. I I, I kind of like it. It's a little right bit long. Down. It's not very memorable, but a fungus. Just call it a fungus. I'll just say a fungus among us. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Write that down, Alex. Uh, no, fungus among us. No, redwood of the east. <laughs> no. Okay. Who's next? Me. Yeah, you're the final man. As some of you guys know, I went to Disney World this past weekend. Yeah, had a delightful that. time. And dude, what's amazing about this is he didn't miss a show. I I assume you would somehow miss an episode with all this nonsense. No, we, no days off. we had a flight on Thursday. We didn't get to the hotel until like 1.30 a.m. And then we came back Sunday in time for the That's Eagles game. Interesting fact. Yep, there you have it. Alex's trip hours. <laughs> That's the name of my fact. Um... And as I mentioned last week, Mike was talking about a political movement. And I'm going to talk about a political movement, too. A bowel movement. The Youth, nice. the youth International Party, the Yippies. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Are they anything to do with the yuppies? No, they were like hippies. And in between the yuppie, they were the yippies. They were founded by Jerry Rubin and Abby Hoffman. That didn't answer Pat's question very well at all. It sounds exactly like a yuppie. No, um, anybody see uh, Trial of the Chicago 7? I did, yes. Yeah, it's uh, a the decent one. movie. Yeah, the, the, two of the guys are the guys who find the yuppie movies like the real, like, obnoxious, the, funny. Uh, Sasha Barry Cohen guy? Yeah, that's oh, okay. Abby Hoffman. Yep. Jerry Rubin. So they founded this party, and they were anti-establishment, anti-capitalism, anti-war. Um, and they did a lot of, like, crazy things. Like, that's to get their, their, like, names out there. And, like, they would make statements. Like, they went to, like, the New York Stock Exchange and threw, like, dollar bills on the ground and stuff like that. And in the 1968 the Democratic Natural Convention, they were trying to get a pig on the ba- uh, ballot to run for president, Pegasus. And they would I do, like, a yeah. lot. Of- <laughs> I, I, I love how, that. like, uh, Occupy Wall Street acts like that was, like, their original thing. But, like, these guys sound like they were pretty much doing the same stuff. Yeah, yeah they knew that, like, you had to do outlandish stuff to get your point across and all. And everybody acts like uh, political stuff's crazy nowadays. But it sounds like it's always just been crazy. Yeah. yeah. It really has. But, like, you had regular people protesting, and then they would do, like, ran- like outlandish stuff to get their point across. So the year is 1970, the year Mike was born. Uh, they turned their attention to an American institution that we all know fondly, Disneyland. And they're like, oh, we are going to protest Disneyland. We are going to have work? a... Did they get rid of it? That's why Disneyland doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I was um, wondering where it was. No, they were um, 
They uh, wanted to protest Disneyland for a couple reasons. At the time, the title sponsor was Bank of America. And the Yippie Party believed that Bank of America was like the cause of like the Vietnam War. When like, Wait, the- Disneyland had a sponsor? Do they have Disney- a sponsor now? Yeah, Disney has always had sponsorships. Oh, like, I, I, you- I had no clue. Like, is for, it like, like Visa's Disneyland? Oh, yeah. Like all like new rides and stuff. Like they're building the new Tron roller coaster, mm-hmm. sponsored by Enterprise. Really? Like yeah, they've always had. That kind of like takes the magic out of out of it but a like, little bit. A lot of it, like early on, especially like the stuff in like Tomorrowland and Epcot, was like companies donating money and like resources and like yeah. do, like come see your new product. Top of the, like especially Epcot and like the technology, like the. World prevail, uh, like area, like there was like technology, like come see our new cool technology and see how it works. Like test track was like, see how the new, I think it was Chevrolet, maybe. Oh, okay. Somebody, like, that would take new- pull me out of the whole experience if I went on to the Millennium Falcon and it was like sponsored by Ford. It was like no, Ford's Millennium Falcon. No, Millennium down. Falcon is sponsored by Jabba. Oh, Jabba the Hutt, come see him at his palace. Uh, no, but so they took. <laughs> very proud of that. <laughs> I am. I thought it was a good joke. So they also like they, like they would. Uh, Bank of America was like the title sponsored at the time. So they decided like we're going to protest, uh, have an invasion of Disneyland on August sixth, nineteen seventy, which happened to be the twenty fifth anniversary of Hiroshima. And also, uh, like it was like they were protesting the uh, Vietnam War at the same time. Uh, they, uh, they, you know, what they say don't. Try to add too many things into your protest. Yeah, they well, they add tried to, they were going to do a lot. They were going to get there. There's going to be hundred thousands of them, and first thing they were going to do is they were going to have a Black Panther hot breakfast at the Antrimimas Pancake House that was in Disneyland. Wait, sponsor. so so this doesn't this sounds like they're making Disney money because they're going paying tickets to get into the park people. and then <laughs> and then also buying food at the park. Disney's just like, thank you, keep please do this every year. Yeah, they were gonna have a liberation of Minnie Mouse, uh, in, in at Fantasyland. They were gonna have a midday feast of Porky Pig. People don't know if they actually knew that Porky Pig wasn't a Disney character or not. <laughs> 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 you just throw it in there. And then in the afternoon, they were going to take over Tom Sawyer Island. Tom Sawyer Island's like in the park, and you take rafts to it. And they were going to take it in, and they were going to have a raised door flag and like smoking. Yeah, so the these, day came. These guys just sound like they're in, wanting an excuse to go to yeah. the park. And like, also, like, they wanted, they targeted Disneyland because, like, Disney was like the symbol of like wholesome America. Up until like the mid sixties or the late sixties, you couldn't have long hair as a guy enter Disneyland. It was uh at the park or work yeah, at the park. At the park they wouldn't let you in. Um And they still shouldn't, those long hair <laughs> freaks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the day came and they showed up and it wasn't as many as people said. There's like 30,000 people in the park, and that's with the protesters and less regular people going That sounds like a normal trip. day. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess they stopped people at the gates, like, hey, are you here this to enjoy yourself? If you're here to protest, you're allowed you in. Don't don't cause any Name trouble. The seven dwarves. <laughs> yeah. I, did they, all the protesters have long hair because they were yeah, hippies? That's, <laughs> that's yeah, and, probably um, why they couldn't get in. So supposedly there's this, they walked around, they smoked a lot of weed. They didn't do anything like on their 
list up until the afternoon when they did go to Tomsaw Island and they raised their marijuana flag and they was smoking and they had a smoke in and all and like they Disney like shut down the rafts for like stop families from going to Tomsaw Island and then finally the people decided the yippies were like no we're going back to Main Street and they were walking down Main Street and Disney already had like a hundred cops in there in case something happened and like Rumors that started, like, with fights between the yippies and regular guests. Rumors that started when somebody tried to raise, like, the marijuana flag next to the American flag. And, like, a big fight broke out. Wait, those aren't the same flag? Yeah. (laughs) Mike, you're just high. (laughs) Uh, What you call it? And a big fight broke out, and the cops came, broke it up, and then they just shut the park down. Like, no, what? Everybody out. They kicked everybody out. And only, like... Yep, and only 23 people got arrested for mostly minor drug offenses and things like that. No one was seriously injured. Is that why people yell yippee on rides? All the rides, they go yippee! And then they smoke the the blunt. The story of why we say yippee. (laughs) Yep. Um, That's my fact. The day the yippies took Disneyland. Nice. Nice and short this week. Did it, were the cops like undercover in a Disney no, costume? They said like Disney management was like undercover walking around. Um, there was like one famous guy, Dick Nunes, is like a famous Disney exec. Um, it was like we seen like grabbing some guy and punching him. Uh, <laughs> Disney does not like pictures of it getting out. Well, you should find it and post it on Twitter. Uh, you can see him now. Maybe we should have um, more pictures of CEOs punching protesters. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Here's my collage of different CEOs punching protesters. But there you have it, folks. Our three facts for the week. You have A Fall from, from Grace by Pat. You had The Report of the Redwood of the East by Mike. And you had The Day the Yippies Took Disneyland by me, Alex. I don't think so, it's called uh, The Report. No, Mike reported about the Redwood. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I thought that was part yeah. of the title. No, I'm trying to switch things up. But that's our facts. You can go to factoffpodcast.com and vote Mike for which one. Head so hard at you <laughs> switching things up. Uh, write which one you think is the best. Vote for which one. You, write which one you think is the best. <laughs> send write us an email. Fact, send it in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll read it. Vote for yeah, which we one have you have an email. Is. Send us your yeah. facts. Factoffpodcast.com. Mike. Only uses it to subscribe for porn sites, so get something else done through that email. <laughs> um, vote at thefactoffpodcast.com. Uh, go to you, uh, the show notes. There's a little button that says vote. You can click on that, and it'll take you straight to the voting section. It actually said uh, vote or die last time because you, asked, you requested that. <laughs> I hope it says it again. Vote or die. Um, what you call it? And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do me off. Uh, uh, like us on all the socials: Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Mike is gonna be posting more lately. Um, and then wait and review us on Apple and Spotify. And then have a great day. Bye. Yeah, have you can't have a great day until you rate and review us on. Yeah, your day's gonna suck until then. Yeah, you'll be cursed for seven years. All right, bye. <laughs>